We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to this Eurostep Podcast Network Post game five Bucks Nets podcast. This is a Eurostep win in six collaboration. I am joined by the eloquent Jordan Tresky, the live on the Johnny on the spot, Rohan Cotty. <laughs> there it is. The Rohan on the spot. I uh, was out and about in the Deer District today. Um, but not. Is it bad that I don't get that reference? I think it's like a old, it's like a really old timey scene. Yeah, I I don't know. I would I know of like the phrase obviously, but not like oh that's from that. Could not yeah. tell you what it's from. Could not tell you what it's from. Also, could not tell you what the hell was going on with the Milwaukee Bucks in the second half of this game. The Bucks lose one fourteen to one hundred eight after carrying a sizable lead. I think sixteen point lead at halftime. The Nets were good. Kevin Durant was transcendent, but. This is not a case where I think any of us are going to hand wave the Bucks issues away from this game. I love that I always ask this question. It's it's rarely been fun lately, but Jordan Rohan, how's it going? Um it's not well. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I was on this podcast, we were basically um I don't know, planning uh the Bucks funeral for the season. And Hope came into the the proceedings. We all got hopeful. Oh, wait, you get a couple bad injuries here and there for Brooklyn. The door was open. And uh, the Bucks actually slammed the door shut themselves today. That's Ooh. I think that's the biggest takeaway. With Even without, like, yeah, we'll get into all the details. But yes. that's, that's how I'll describe it. Yeah, slamming the door shut on themselves is a fantastic way to put it. Because... From how I viewed this game, the Bucks just took all the hope that they had possibly like mustered together. They just wrapped it into a ball and then they just threw it into a lake. They just took it all and they drowned it. 
Is that is that why they shared all those clips of lakes before the you season? You know what? There were we go. Showing us where circle. they're gonna. It's come full circle. <laughs> Jordan's wave noise just sent me. Um, so I don't even know how to approach this. I think I want to quickly sum up the first half because there was some good, right? Um, I think important coming into the game. So the day before Monday, James Harden is ruled out. Tuesday morning, I think he's moved to doubtful and then questionable. Then he's going to play. He does play. He plays 46 minutes. He can, he's barely ambulatory. One of 10 from the field, five total points. Awful on defense. Literally could not move laterally. Like it honestly, very impressive. He managed to do this for 46 minutes. Mm -hmm. Almost more impressive. The Bucks didn't manage to take advantage of all but two minutes of a guy who again, Barely ambulatory, 0 for 8 from 3. Uh, he did have 8 assists. I mean, he did what he could. He also had 4 turnovers. Like, it, it wasn't, obviously, a great James Harden game. But I think that was, like, the biggest kind of news coming in was Harden was going to play. He was going to tough it out. I thought he was going to play for, like, 12 minutes and basically look like this. Again, gutsy for him that he managed to play this much. I I don't think he helped. I mean, he was there. I wouldn't say he was a huge positive contributor. But I do think something to think about it, it almost made it made me think about less like how much of a gift this game was to the bucks that he was out there for as long as he was until i looked at the box score and saw just how you know without utility he was for most of the game because again like this is i remember saying early in game one when harden first went down you, you have to win this game because you don't know when he's going to be able to come back and you know you they could be at full strength for most of the rest of the series that's not been the case at all of course Kyrie goes out in game four not ready to play for game five. Harden is, but not really. This was a must win for that reason. Also, of course, every game five in a two-team series is going to be super important. So, you know, I'll start with Jordan. Did you think Harden was going to play even when he got upgraded to doubtful this morning? And what did you think about, I guess, his, his performance? I thought... When it, I mean, it was doubtful, then questionable, like within a span of like two, three hours or so there. Um, and obviously, when it got to doubtful, I was like, okay, they're going to try to do something here. But I also thought, like, in your kind of like estimation of it, they brought both Harden and KD off the bench when they've had their hamstring injuries this, this during the season. So I was thinking, oh, it's going to be kind of capped or he's going to come off the bench, whatever the case may be. Nope. He, he got the full run. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, I mean, I, there's no other way to give him like any, like you have to give him credit for just sticking out there playing essentially on one leg and doing all they can because he's basically was just, you know, re relegated to decoy slash just flinging up, you know, step backs, just threes, but just without any rhythm whatsoever. And defensively, like you said, like it, you could see that he just is not moving. All of he wasn't, you know, this part on on the part of the Bucks themselves, but like he was just basically off the ball, no matter what you know the case may be. Say for a few you know possessions here and there, but you know you just don't think you. I don't. I. I mean, I. I don't know like what a comparable that would be. Of a guy just not <laughs> being like doubtful or out yesterday to playing 46 minutes on one leg 
and not playing well, but just like you kind of give him like, you know, hey, <laughs> good job for actually just playing a game of basketball for that long. Um, basically yeah. Spencer Hawes on defense. Um, so yes. Rohan, can you believe that the Bucks were not able to take more advantage of this? And I just well, really, that, that's very easy to believe. <laughs> that is incredibly easy to believe. Come on, Ty, ask me some hard hitting questions. Here. Um, I, I don't know what, I, I mean, I wanted to start with the first half and just kind of set up the story of the game. Cause I think the vast majority of this pod, unless we get to the coaching carousel, like halfway through again is going to be, the third quarter and the fourth quarter, which obviously decided it um, very, very firmly and may have probably ended the Bucks' chances of, of squeaking through this series, which again, some real opportunities here to take advantage of a very not full strength Nets team that were squandered. But, you know, first half, um, I guess, Rowan, if, if you want to just talk a little bit about the first half, I mean, the Bucks played pretty well. They started out really hot, which I honestly thought, Harden just being out there might might be a little bit of a catalyst for Brooklyn to to get going. And you could feel throughout the game, like when he would take a three, the whole building was ready to erupt. He just couldn't. He didn't have. He literally didn't have his legs and couldn't make them. But uh, the Bucks started out strong. I think they played mostly the way we wanted them to play. So, what were your first half thoughts? It was very encouraging because they looked to be doing what we had been wanting them to do and what we saw a little bit of in game four. We didn't see it for the majority of game four, but as we talked in the post game, it was um, it was good to see them actually initiating some sets uh, in some sort of fluid offensive motion. It was just it looked like the Milwaukee Bucks, which has been very, very, very rare throughout this series. Again, just. Just a weird series overall. So this first half was so encouraging because even though you have a guy like Chris Middleton not even shooting well from the field, he's still getting like 12 shots up. The All the looks are good. Giannis is actually like he's putting it all together. He still takes uh, still takes two threes. Two's credit makes one of them. He has like seven rebounds, three assists, making it his way on the defensive end as well. Had some really impact blocks in there. Stuff to get the team fired up it was just like a it was a first half that made it seem like oh this team's here they're actually gonna maybe take advantage of this game it it looked good like i can't i can't say much wrong about the first half except like it, it looked fine maybe they just got complacent but that was that was all right yeah i thought I thought in the second half, it got a little wavery. The second, or the, excuse me, the second quarter, the second half got very wavery. The second quarter, I thought it, they wavered a bit, but they held firm and ended up increasing the lead a little bit. I remember we got a lineup featuring all three of, was it Conadin, Forbes, Elijah Bryant there in the yep. second quarter, just to start the second quarter. And it wasn't, I think it was about three minutes, but. Uh, Elijah Bryant was a minus five. He only played three minutes. So that's what that lineup did. I remember tweeting. Defended this- Kevin Durant on a possession. I was, I was like out in the deer district with a couple of my friends. And like one of my buddies was like, is that Elijah Bryant? In the game? And I was like, there's no way. There's no way this is happening right now. And then I look and I was like, oh my God, it's Elijah Bryant. And I, I turned it. I was like, this made sense in game four. Cause Pat Conson was out, right? Like, if if Pat's out because of his eye injury and he's out in the back getting glue, like it's it's fine. <laughs> like like sure, throw Elijah Bryant out there for a couple minutes. Pat's fine now. He's all good. 
he, he's got the, the eye stitches. Or I don't know if he actually got stitches or not, but he, he's fine. He was out there playing. So it was Elijah Bryant. Uh, and you know what? It wasn't it wasn't as bad as I had expected. It was not great whatsoever. Like he did have a strip and steal on KD, but still like what's going on there? There was the the decision to not play Portis is one we're gonna have to dive deep on. But just that lineup like happening to start the second quarter. I just well, we should we should note it was because of Drew being do you have two or foul three trouble. at that time? I, th- I think two. I think four different players two. had two fouls. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. The uh, the official Elijah Bryant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jordan. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm just. I was just gonna no, no, shit the caveat. That is why the the fouls is why. But it was still. And that's. I mean, the fouls are not the reason that only two bench guys play, and Pat yeah. gets like seventy five percent of the bench minutes. Um, there's so much to get to in this game. But even with that lineup, they steadied the ship. That lineup was minus five in three minutes, which is bad, but not atrocious. They didn't lose the series because of that lineup. I don't think they lost by six at the end of the day. So I guess you could argue it, but I I don't think so. I think there was a lot more that happened, but um, they, they, they wavered, but they held firm enough, increased the lead a little bit. They ended up winning the second quarter by two points. It was very encouraging. And then, Everything just changed. So I think personally the third quarter is where they lost the game. Uh, Mm -hmm. They led going into the fourth quarter, but I still think it was just such a decisively bad quarter that set up everything that was going to happen. So, Jordan, what do you think is most at fault for what happened? Clearly a meltdown, one of the all-time worst Bucks meltdowns. I think I tweeted Boris Bucks lost since, and I've gotten everything from like, Big dogs miss shot to literally within a week. Uh, so there's a lot of bucks paying out there, and I'm not going to judge anyone anyone's ratings, but it, it's up there. This one is up there. What do you think was was most key to everything falling apart? Um, I mean, <laughs> anybody can, again, like rating worst bucks lost. It could go either direction. But I honestly think it was just – for a team, for all the talk about being physical, being dogs, all this stuff, they let Kevin Durant di- dictate, decide, play his game. They gave him a runway to the hoop every time he wanted, you know, if he had the initiative. Um, partially, that was because, you know, P.J. Tucker gets in foul trouble, doesn't end up fouling out the game, uh, worthy enough, that was Giannis. But it was just... You know, the, the like you said about like the first half execution, all that stuff. Like, yeah, like the process itself, like it, nothing really changed. It was just a, the only thing that changed was hitting shots, and it kind of that feel it, uh, like I don't know. Just seeing how this team has played under Bud, it almost feels like that's their worst enemy because there's just this collective take your foot off the gas, let's play drop because that's you know they don't want to they don't want to put other players in foul trouble. They don't want to play like super physical. They think that not the game is in hand, but they have more margin for error than they do. And that's the, that was the theme of the series going into it. And throughout all the things that we've seen throughout the series where Harden gets hurt 43 seconds into game one, Kyrie, you know, gets hurt midway through game four, all this stuff. 
it doesn't matter in that in this game. And it, that's what's so frustrating is that you see these possessions where Kevin Durant is literally the most gifted scorer I've ever seen in my life. Are, you know, I don't. That's not an argument. I think that's pretty all much. Time. I'd, I'd yeah. say just all time, just all. Time. Yeah, exactly. The guy could do anything he wants at you know the size of Brook Lopez, <laughs> and you just gave him you know a turnstile to do anything. He, you doled out a red carpet for him just. You to gave him Brook Lopez. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, I just. It's just, oh my God, just see the position. And like, yeah, I, I don't want to like take over this spot, but it was just like, no, go for it. You just see like that happen. And then like Jeff Green shots, like at a crazy rate, it happens. This stuff happens when it's with Bud and all this stuff. But it's like, it's a Fred Van Vliet. It's Jay Crowder. It's name another sub 30% three point shooter that just like has field days against the Bucks. It was just, all the ingredients that we've seen throughout terrible Bucks losses or collapse because collapses, just because that is part of what we've come to expect here. Um, yeah, I mean that was just the that was all the the concoction here, but it was just it was all set in motion when you just give Kevin Durant whatever he wants to do. You guys want to know something funny? So someone <laughs> I'm not really I don't really know them that well. They asked me who's your favorite player in the NBA. This was pregame. I said Jeff Green. Rohan. <laughs> Why? <then> this happened. <laughs> Do you know? But here's the thing. All of those things that I think after FVV, we were able to write it off more. After Crowder, it was kind of, and the bubble was still a thing too. But after Crowder, you really started to go, okay, this, this really seems to be happening more to the Bucks than everyone else. And now Jeff Green, who actually Jeff Green to his credit shot like 42% in the regular yeah, season. Yeah, I didn't mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Crowder yeah, for sure. Crowder was the one where that should never <laughs> But the common thread is like guys who are unafraid to shoot, if you spoon feed them enough looks, like it's very easy for something bad to happen to you. You want a stat from the third quarter? The Bucks shot a higher percent from three than the Nets did in the third quarter. Milwaukee oh, was four Lord. for eight. Brooklyn was six for 13. Green didn't miss in that quarter. I think he started seven for seven, but he was three for three. Shamit one for one. Harden took and missed two. Blake was 0 for two. Joe Harris 0 for three. And that's the thing for me is mm-hmm. if you're going to talk about the Jeff Green ri- ridiculous regression, Joe Harris has been so ass in this series and missed so many shots that he would never miss that I think it balances out. And same with Blake, who has only made a handful of threes and was kind of a ghost in the last couple of games. Like, I'm not going to sit here, oh, they lost just because of Jeff Green. One, maybe don't spoon feed the guy seven straight looks if he's made the first X. And X is any number up to seven. And they did. And that, that wasn't all Lopez, but it was the idea of like just dropping. I mean, you're sending two guys with one guy. The second guy, the worst the worst thing to me about the Bucks defense is the guy that they leave the shooter, that leaves the shooter to go do something. They almost never accomplish anything. Like the Bucks don't trap very well. They don't force that many turnovers when they, they don't really double at all, but they, they just like ineffectually drop and they're in between. And I think that was perfectly encapsulated because we go through all of these open threes the whole quarter. And how does it end? Kevin Durant just blowing by PJ Tucker and then blowing by the drop Brooke Lopez. They did it for nothing. He could have done that at any point. The whole thing with KD is he just chooses not to. Mm-hmm. That's the one blessing of guarding Kevin Durant is he can do anything. He's way more likely to pull up. He's just not a guy who's going to go to the rack over and over and over. He can what he wants to as displayed, 
But that's why he's especially someone you don't drop on because you're just giving him the area he wants the most. And he still can go to the rim if he wants to. He's Kevin freaking Durant. So maybe you just kind of have to throw up your hands a little bit, but say, hey, you know what we can do? We cannot let Jeff Green take seven consecutive wide open in rhythm threes and get going because as great as Kevin Durant was until, you know, fouling and silly season, it was still a close game. So mm-hmm. if the Bucks don't blow their lead so badly in the third quarter and they're up more, it becomes a lot easier to resist nuclear KD in my opinion. It, it gets back to what I believe it was Eric Spolstra talking about. Uh, was it the Thunder or am I getting these confused? One of the two coaches in the OKC Miami series back in the day was talking about how the other uh, is just like you have to focus on the axillary pieces and you can't re- like because you have to accept at some point that the guys are going to get their own. And. In this instance, that happened. Like Kevin Durant is going to get what he wants no matter how many guys you throw at him. What you can do in these situations is limit how you can defend the other players. Because like you were saying, Ty, it's fine if you're like giving Jeff Green or Joe Harris or Blake Griffin like these these rotational pieces. Like if you're not spoon feeding them, they're not going to get into a rhythm like you were talking about. But if you're just throwing the entire defense at a guy who's going to make the shot anyway, no matter how many guys you throw at him, you're just lending yourself into your own demise. And I just think if you're going to be aggressive, be aggressive. Like double him if you yeah. like if, if you, if you yeah, exactly guy double him. Like at least make it so he literally at least if you're dropping, show how, higher. Yeah, yeah. How many times did we see? You know, uh, whether it was like Pat and Drew, because Drew, I mean. He had a good good start to the game, but it, it steadily fell apart. But like, yeah. how many times have we seen miscommunications or one guy like, "Hey, it kind of caught him between no man's land," and that's the worst. That's the worst thing you could ever see it on, you know, the defensive end, no matter yeah. what scheme. Exactly. I mean, the pet helping off of Shamit to go down to KD at the rim was just one of the all time. Like, what were you going to accomplish? Yeah, I felt like I felt like Pat Ewing. In that viral clip talking to Bucks defenders, like, when do you practice helping on KD at the rim, Pat? Come on. Like, and this, it was just, it felt so 2019 ECF to me, just remembering like guys randomly wandering away from, again, Fred Van Vliet, who was spoon fed looks a whole series long, to go like stand around Kawhi and watch him either pass to the guy they just left or just hit shots in both of their faces because they weren't accomplishing anything. So it's just very, very frustrating, especially, I mean, this Nets team, I just don't get why you would ever drop or anything. Like, they have so few players. Really, they have one player in this game who could penetrate. It is KD. And like I said, he just yep. isn't going to do it that often. He just doesn't care. He doesn't have to. He's KD. He can pull up from anywhere. He's going to do that most of the time. So there was really no reason. Like, would you need to have someone dropped in case Blake who's taking 90% of it, not 90, but close to 90% of his shots from three. Joe Harris, who, again, is living in hell right now. Like, if Joe Harris shows up to game six, like it might be really over because this guy has been bad. Like, Harden, again, could not move. Took two twos in the whole game. One of them was the BS and one off Chris. Uh. It's just like there was no reason to be that worried about giving up the dribble penetration to anyone except KD, and no one could do anything about KD. I mean – Giannis maybe could have. We never saw Giannis on KD. I thought it was interesting. Probably foul trouble. 
I think I would have tried it though. I mean, you know, given how the the game just completely slipped or slipped through their fingers, you have to. Yeah, you know that that's another another you know kind of fallback criticism of Bud that we that we thought would change this year, and it has and it hasn't. Like it was just kind of like which one are you going to make up your mind? And then when it comes down to a game five like this, and you don't do that, like that's just that's you know what else is what else is there to say at that point? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rohan's just shaking his head. Um, one last thing from the I was third gonna, quarter. I, I oh, no, go, I ahead. Gonna, go ahead. Just the, the, the word that keeps coming to mind right now is just exasperation. Yeah. Yeah. Just at this team in general. Like, I think after that game two, after the game three pod, I'm just broken. I'm just, it's, it's all, it's all done. Like we heard it. We heard it. Yeah, we do. There's nothing left. I was saying like, as everyone was yelling at the screen, like, Hey, there's, they, they can't phase me anymore. Like I'm already dead. I, I knew, I knew, I felt like it was over early. As soon as the Nets got a lead in the fourth. And I know this was game three too. And, and the bucks to their credit pulled out game three, which made this a series. But it was it's the same. The it's different credit. when it's, it's different when the there's like ten credit. minutes left on the clock, and you're just like, okay, they already let it slip. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. where it's like, okay, if they just get a basket, like that, you know, it can go a different way. But now it's like, oh, there's ten more minutes of this, and they yeah. just lost the lead that they were up by nineteen. Well, and this one, yeah. I think I was more confident they would lose than Game Three. We I, people are going to make call us bad fans. I, actually, I think everyone is pretty similar. We're all we're Bucks fans. Yeah, we're, we're, we're we're all be bad fans. fans. <laughs> yeah, but this one felt different because I was like, KD was doing. KD has not looked like this all series, and no. I was like, okay, if you if you were going to be even with ten minutes, KD is looking like this. Clearly, nobody on the nobody on the Bucks could ever pray to match him when he's like this this. But especially the way the main three guys looked in the. I honestly thought it was. Fine, not 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 too bad uh, compared to everybody else. I think Chris, I would give probably the most kind of like he did. Chris did what Chris he, does. He kind tried, of yeah. Giannis, like I was just I like I'm just going crazy when you're just I see him. ISO. ISO the ISO, but like also like the the run up where he does the same kind of like. Oh, it's the same setup that he does for his pull-up three. 
and you're just like, what are you doing? Like every possession is just like, no, 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 yes. Like yeah. you, you see him on Blake Griffin and you just sort of be like, that's what you should do every freaking time you see Blake Griffin in front of you. And then when he saw Joe Harris, he passes the ball out to Drew or to Pat or just like, it's just that stuff. Like the, the cliche criticisms about Giannis of like, he doesn't have a killer instinct. He clearly does not have, you know, uh, any other game outside of just being able to drive through people. Um, Hey, and I love the guy. Fifty percent three point shooter tonight, Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> I get. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I didn't love any of those, but it was no. just like you're just like watching him do these things, and it's just like you don't know how to play. You don't know how, or you don't know. It's not that you don't know how to play, but it's like you don't know how good you are, and it's just like you're going in all these different places. He's still and a raw just, player. Yes, it, yeah. raw in the sense of like up there you know where he just can't he they lose the lead and he just flings up a three right away and it's just like that's not going to help things you've seen that you've done that the last two years it hasn't helped at all or when it's a tie game or they're down to i can't remember exactly and you have the fadeaway yes the ghost of james harden uh on you down low and you're just like i'm just gonna take a turnaround fade even though i yeah that hasn't been falling all series long it's like there's there's two minutes on the clock. What do you do? What do you what are you doing? <laughs> that was like their last good or I mean, they were done too, right? Yes, I believe so. Because I remember tie. thinking that they needed to string together three good possessions in a row when yep. they were down by four. And if they get that, they can take back control of the game. They had two, and then they did that. And then Brooklyn scored, and then they didn't score again for another minute. And then the the end of the game is just like Chris, like trying his hardest to shoot threes in the face. Hey, you know what? Credit credit to Chris. Yeah, yeah, that's that was the right play at the time. I'm not criticizing him for that, but it it just looks so sad. Like this is what this is what we've seen when they've fallen in these past situations. So it's like you want to like, hey, this is what they're doing. Like this, they're trying their best, but it's like you also get jaded by just seeing like, yeah, we've seen this. We've seen the Chris play, you know, when it's a game winning, you know, like all this stuff, it just, it just conjures up all the stuff that's happened over the last three years. And that's what makes all it the so pain is brought back into the forefront. Yeah. And it's just, yep. it's one of those where, and I think this is important because there's always the people who are going to say, you know, firing Bud's not going to fix all the issues. Literally, that was like the thesis of the game two pod. Like we recognize that. But the fact that there's still no good answers, like what to do with Giannis in these late game situations, I think it's 50-50. Like there should be some more strategic things to put Giannis in better positions by this point. Like they're like either he's going to post up ISO or run a pick and roll with Chris that probably goes nowhere because Giannis still can't roll. So there there should probably be something better happening there. There do needs want, to be better plays. Do you want to make that – like crazy, like makes, or I'm assuming all Bucks fans just more like crazy mad about that. Is that when you see the after timeout plays and there's the stats that we've seen passing around Twitter, they're so good. And it's, they're so good. And you're just like, why can't you do that all the time? <laughs> why can't you just play more? Like, there is, it, it's hiding in there somewhere. In like deep, is in, setting a in the recesses somewhere. of Mike Boonholzer's brain. <laughs> And you just want to play more just structured 
this is the plays that we have. You guys can do it. You can execute all that stuff. And it just like after the after the timeout plays, you're just like, well, they're gonna go back to free form basketball, just like play yep. weird jazz. And it's just like, you know, it just it just is it's all off note like instantly. It's oh my god. Sorry. As soon as it enters like the fourth quarter, like I feel like Mike Budenholzer's brain just turns into yakety sex. <laughs> like in terms of these sort of And every plays. time like a, an assistant coach comes up to him, I'm just like, what are they saying to him right now? <laughs> but you know, it's just like Charles Lee's like hey, good job, man. But this is this is happening again, but I think we should stop letting this happen. <laughs> or Ben Sullivan just like yeah, like that's, that's so crazy. No, 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 no. This is the time. This is the time. They're not yeah. going to expect us to do it again. <laughs> no, it's like calling rock he's... every time and rock paper scissors. It's got, it's got to work. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's. I think that's drop coverage and in, in a nutshell, right there. <laughs> hey, no, I think that's an, actually a better strategy <laughs> than what we're seeing right now. Well, because at least it in is... rock paper scissors, uh, if you do rock every time, it's random chance. Well, no, you know what's funny is it's actually a perfect analogy for why the Bucks are better in the regular season. Because if you do rock every time and you do it yes. like six times, you're going to win some because like people aren't thinking that hard. But if you do rock every time, like 50 times in a row, after like the eighth one, they're just going to do paper Reed every time. Six, three right there. Yeah, they're just going to keep doing paper and they're going to be like, are, are they really just going to keep letting us do paper? And the Bucks are like, I, you know, you sure you don't want to try scissors one of these times? <laughs> we've done a lot of rock. The other teams are like, no, we're going to have to I see it. I think we've cracked the code. I uh, think the, that's it. The rock, paper, scissors always pick I rock analogy. I, that is so depressing. That is um, literally Why is that so perfect? It's it's exactly <laughs> what happens. That's I I hate myself for coming up with it. Uh, my last third quarter stat was two individual nets had more assists in the third quarter than the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks assisted on three baskets. Oh, I baskets. hate that so much. Kevin Durant had five assists, and James Harden, who, again, could not move, had four assists in the quarter. How many assists did the Bucks have? Three. Three. Two from Drew, one from Pat, zero from Giannis and Chris. And I would guess the potential assists for Giannis and Chris would be similarly low. I remember they both had double-digit potential assists in – uh, game four, which was very encouraging. And that third quarter, just I, this is a new one, actually. I think a little bit. Ah, I guess Giannis has been charging at walls for a long time. But with this team, barriers, bar- sorry, barriers. With this team, for them to just go like so heavily ISO after all the stuff we saw all year against this team, part of me wonders is it like, is it a psychological thing where they're just trying to? match with Durant somehow. I I mean there's a lot of talk about Bucks having low IQ. I mean that would be a pretty good indicator if that is what's happening cuz clearly you're not going to do it better than that guy. Um I I just I don't understand the ball stop moving and it is so plain to everyone watching. Like literally everyone when the ball moves, they're just a much better offense. That's true for every offense. Again, Durant had five assists in a quarter. It's not like he's isoing every single damn time, but it's just, especially this team, especially with Giannis's limitations and even Chris's limitations. I mean, for as good as he can be as a scorer, the handle's not there for him to do what Durant does and certainly not Irving yeah. and Harden. Like, uh, some help would really be good for him. Like, playing him a little bit like a Clay Thompson or Michael Porter Jr. would really help. And yet, we get Giannis dribbling into, you know, five guys and then. You know, if it's Blake running straight into him, if it's Joe Harris passing out to Drew for some reason, 
just like guys taking turns, a lot of early threes. Honestly, the way you talked about Giannis's threes, Jordan, is exactly how I felt about Brooke Lopez's threes. He also has a good shooting game. And yep. that's, um, you know, the I saw it cited that the Bucks' offensive rating was actually as good in the third quarter as it was at halftime. So maybe it wasn't a bad offensive showing. I wonder how much that changes if Lopez isn't two for three from deep. It's like a career 33% three-point shooter across regular – actually lower in playoffs across regular season. Like – it's one of those where the, they got some points in that quarter. I don't think they played good offense at all in that quarter. And it's not even just Giannis who's the victim of no. this isolation play. Like, I remember distinctly in the fourth quarter, Drew Holiday hunted for an isolation on Kevin Durant. He did it like, multiple times. Yeah. yeah too. It's just like, if you're going to pick someone, don't pick the best defender on the court for the other team, the ISO one. Like, yeah. Uh, definitely not James Harden who can't move laterally. Definitely not like whatever Blake Griffin is at this point. Not Joe Harris, who's a fine defender, but is in his own head right now. Nah, nah. I'm going to isolate on Kevin Durant, who's absolutely going wild and is in his own tonight. Nope. I'm, I'm taking that guy off the dribble. It didn't work the first time. Didn't work the second time. Didn't work the third time. But you know what, Mike Worth? Rock work. <laughs> Dang it. Why is that so good? Um, Jordan, wherever you want to go from here with Drew or uh, uh, the Bucks, ISO, whatever, wherever, let's let's just keep venting. It's the only way we're going to get through this. No, I mean, to your ISO point, like, no, we're not asking them to be 2013 14 Spurs. No, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad thing. It wouldn't be a bad thing. Let's not be. They want to be the Spurs. They keep saying it. It would be nice if they tried. We should it. also mention that that was the year that Bud left. So that was not, you know. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. Joking. <laughs> but not really. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So he um, left in 13 before that. Is that true? Yeah, he took over the, the yeah, hall. He took over Atlanta. Yeah. So he leaves right after the terrible loss, and then the Spurs go and have the best one of the best playoff runs at home. Yeah, let's just say, let's just say. Why did um, you tell me that right now? Bud's used to terrible collapses, but he also won. He, he also, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. it's just like it's just it's just the reverting back to old habits to you know all the things that were the ghost of playoff disappointments past, all that stuff, and it's just you know. It's just what's frustrating is you just see it's it kind of just feels like we're talking about the kid bucks again, where it's like you see where this team can be really overhauled, maximized. But we're talking about playoffs. We're talking about the end of the season. We're talking about this is this is the season. And the fact that like we got through three years, we've gone through all the stuff that we're talking about where we're learning new things. We're making sure that, you know, we don't fall back on the same habits, all that stuff. The yada, yada, yada of what happened. Game two, like, you know, you, Ty, you, me, and I, or, and Adam were just, you know, that was like the funeral. But this is, this is more of like, this is, we could have done this last year during the playoffs. We could have done this, obviously, against the Raptors. It's just the stuff that we've seen time and time again. And I, don't mean to belay this point so much, but it just, you just see that the piece is just not fall into place for them in spite of having a 19 point lead. 
midway through the third quarter and just all the things that if you look at the box score, you see like, oh, this is their best offensive night by far. Every they're hitting shots. Drew has his best game of the series offensively. Giannis, you know, if you again take everything into consideration, the fact that he's you know going after Blake Griffin and really just kind of crack the code the way that you know we it wasn't to this like same level, but like how we talked about him like being able to get through Al Horford a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It was just like all these things like finally came into place and they still lost the game. And it's just like how you wonder like how the how this could happen. And then you just kind of like think back to like, oh yeah, like this, 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 this all happened and it's happened to hurt them many times before. And they'll happen. I, I know there's another game of this series, at least one more game of the series. And it's there's still like I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't even know how you preview Game Six with how this happens. You guys want to know something fun? Uh, Bucks fans move is, fast. Is, is it going to be fun? I mean, you guys might laugh. Uh, so I was fact checking the uh, the Spurs thing for Budenholzer, and his Wikipedia page says he's unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> is the is the Spurs thing that's accurate? Yeah, no, that's legit. Yeah, yeah, that's no, but yeah, yeah, no. Shouts to you, Jordan. But no, it says position unemployed. <laughs> You know, I hope after the bubble, honestly. I mean, you tie you and I. We said that even after the bubble, like it doesn't matter what happens going forward in these games. Like we've seen enough yeah. at this point. So let's. I guess we can get into that a little bit now in terms of what went wrong for uh, Mike Budenholzer here. You guys already said on the game two pod. You guys talked about how it's just not just Bud. However, uh, Bud's not really – he's not doing himself. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just got the, the perfect counter in game five to that, uh, that point. Yeah. Yeah, not, not doing himself any favors. There were some, uh, some questionable uh, lineup decisions here. Uh, just going off of personnel, I already went on my little Elijah Bryant uh, thing. Bobby Portis does not play a second in this game. Why do you guys think that is? So I thought – I thought it was going to be because there was so much success with Giannis at center at times in game four that there was, and honestly, it's not even a great reason anyway. Cause like you can just kind of have Portis be the four in those groups and he still provides a bunch of spacing. And he, again, his most utility on defense is switching. It's not doing traditional center stuff. So, I mean, I, I argued for so long he was a five. Maybe I was wrong. He can do both sort of. But I, it wasn't a great reason, but I thought that was why, essentially, was was to go small. But then Lopez plays 36 minutes, and they drop pretty much the whole game. Because Not even just Lopez playing 36 minutes. We get a good old lineup of PJ, Giannis, and Brooke all out there. Oh, boy, that, that lineup is disgusting. What do you what do you think, Jordan? What is your, your thought process on Portis? I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. The fact that they play drop with Brooke, but DMP, CD, Portis, because you don't want to play drop with him. <laughs> yeah, like that doesn't, you know what I mean? Like you're kind yeah. of like, it just does, that does not make sense at all. And granted, I'm not saying Bobby Portis has been all that good this series. Frankly, I kind of thought that he wasn't going to be that much of a factor to begin with, just because he's very, you know, he's a, he's either a play finisher, shooter, or the kind of energy guy that gets rebounds, but he could be easily kind of figured out defensively. Um, and that's 
through no fault of his own. He just has carved out his niche with his team. And you just kind of just think there's ways that he can be become a liability. Same with Brim Forbes, just, you know, different body position, all that stuff. But the fact that, like, and speaking of Forbes, I, I mean, how many minutes did he play tonight? It yeah, was he played that much. 13. That was actually, I, I almost have more issue with that. I think I would have tried either in that third quarter just yeah. because, you know, the Pat caught an experience in this game. So good in the first half. He drove twice and made both shots, and one of them was an end one that he converted. And I just remember both times, like, yelling, like, Pat should never dribble. Like, you just shouldn't. Not in this situation. Just shouldn't happen. But it worked. And but who did he dribble on? Who was it? Harden. Uh, Andrew Shannon? Once, yes. The other, Joe Harris. Okay, oh, so, yeah. So he, Pat's, like, like hunting mismatches, and you're just like, do that for the whole offense. <laughs> yeah, could, could anyone else try this? Um, <laughs> um, but I think, like, I think what went wrong in this game, we know how Bud feels about Pat. I think Pat sees this first half, or Bud sees this first half, and it's just, like, smashing the Pat counted in minutes button. And as happens with, you know, role players who, you know, unproven, I think is generous with Conadin, has had some nice moments is basically the way to describe the Bucks Pat Conadin experience. And the rest of the time, he's just like a guy. He's been, nah, I'll, I'll push back on that a little. He's had some playoff moments, like especially in that Boston series. Like, like fleeting he's, moments. No, but like he's he's generally been all right. Unproven is a little strong. <laughs> okay. He's generally been all right, which sounds so much better. Tell take it. Yeah. Um, but like they just they'd stuck they didn't even try anything else in the second half. Like it was literally the starters, or when one of them had to sit for a super long time because foul trouble, it was Pat. So the second half minutes, Tucker plays 15, Giannis plays 23, Lopez 17 and a half, Middleton 23, Holiday 22 and a half, Bryn Forbes three. Pat caught it in 15 minutes. Like, literally, he was the only bench guy who got to play in the second half, essentially, outside of a very quick Forbes stint where the Bucks got annihilated by seven points. He didn't even attempt a shot, and they were just like, well, you can't play defense. You're done, which may be fair, but that's where I might have just tried Portis because the Bucks lose Pat second half minutes by 14 points in 15 minutes. Just try something else. Like, he's fine. He's going to hit a three here and there. The defense is okay, but like the Nets were just getting him on KD every single time, and it's just it's death. It's death when that happens. And listen, it's probably it's death when Portis is on him too, or whatever else, like or Forbes. But it's Forbes. But it's just like a variety. Like it's the same thing with like when you see a guy like extensively, it's either you kind of. I mean, PJ Tucker and the KD matchup is kind of like it in a nutshell. Where it's like, okay, this guy's gonna get used to what this guy does, tendency wise, all that stuff. Yeah. It's like a process of like wearing down. And when you have a guy like PJ Tucker who can really utilize his strength, all that stuff, like it's different when Pat is a good positional defender and athletic. Just yeah. kind of runs dry from there, and you're just like, oh yeah, you can easily just like <laughs> Pretty much, you know how to just shoot over him or buy him, all that stuff. 
Yeah, and that was my thing all along for being more interested in seeing like a Forbes out there than Pat. It's just like at the end of the day against this team, they're pro- they're going to get cooked the same. And that's what we saw. I mean, the Nets saw – Kevin Durant saw meat every time he saw Pat Connaughton and filleted him up good. Butterfly cut on Pat Connaughton in this game uh, after he's got an eye cut the last game. But I just – I think, again, it's it probably doesn't matter at that point. I think Kevin Durant's just going to cook anyone, but at least try something and maybe work to not give up the switch so easy. It was the, – the stupidest part for me was I remember in the first quarter, Jeff Green's first three actually was – Green sets a screen for Harden and Condon and I think Drew are like fighting like hell to not like not let Harden do anything. And again, we all knew he couldn't move and Green floats out to the elbow and gets a wide open three. And then that happens like once or twice and they go away from it. And then we get later in the game and they refuse to do much like that. And there was a couple of rescreens necessary to get Pat on him, I know. But still, like it seemed like there was less effort to avoid getting Pat on Kevin freaking Durant than there was on Harden, who couldn't move. It was just so many little frustrating things throughout this game. I feel like really built up and took a toll on me. That's the Bucks experience in a <laughs> nutshell. It, it really is, honestly, because you, you're seeing, like you just illustrated right there, these teams are doing anything they can to put themselves in the best position to win possible, whether that's getting however many screens and back screens possible so you can get a Pat Conson on a Kevin Durant. Well, the Bucks are just like, now nah, we got this. And that's their game plan. We got this. Like, literally, that's probably what they're thinking in there. Because like you were talking about earlier, Ty, they're just going with the same guys. They're just like, you know what? We felt these vibes in the first half. We're just going to rock these same vibes in the second half. And we're going to roll along with it. I can just imagine Mike Boonholzer just sitting in halftime with like a pina colada in his hands. Like, yeah, we got this. We got this. Let's just keep these same same vibes going. And then they don't. And then it's just, it's just pain again. Well, it's like dense. I said, I, I am, yeah, <laughs> it's rock. It's a Bucks encapsulator, right? Like everything, things start out well and then like something changes purposefully in the matchup and then things just aren't well anymore. And uh, there's only so many punches. How are we doing this again? I don't know. How are we doing this again? Like how many times is this going to happen? Is this just like an every year thing? I mean, go back and listen to the game two pod and all the things that we talked about needing changing. Like if, if not enough things have those things happen, it probably will be, unfortunately. If only like Bucks collapses were like the cicadas in like every 17 years, like all these collapses just like happened at once <laughs> and then never happened again. Everyone's like, Oh, remember when that happened? No, it's literally, it's, it's like a holiday at this point. It's you know what I mean it, that's what it is. You can set your <laughs> clocks to it. Yeah, exactly. You can ask off work for it. It just happens every June, May, whatever the case may be. <laughs> the Budenholzer Bucks. Lucky it's June this time. Yeah. <laughs> the Budenholzer Bucks tenure has been like let's say there's a hundred broods of cicadas. Like 33 year one, 33 year two, 34 year three. Like everything lines up. But it just is happening every year, even though summer 17 year, 15 year, five year, they all lined up perfectly for these three years. And it's just like, how is anyone supposed to deal with this? Uh, you, just, the Nets, you have to get burned through the fire and you have to rise like a, a phoenix 
That was terrible. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what that was. The Nets out-rebounded the Bucks in the second half, which I feel like is one of those bellwether things that's just really problematic. Some of it was, I mean, the Bucks just bricked so many shots, and KG just kept grabbing rebounds. But and Nets hitting shots too, so there's yeah. less. Re- yeah. Yeah, the Bucks had 12 defensive and four offensive rebounds in the second half. Uh, Brooklyn had 18 defensive How and many, no offensive. What was what did Brooklyn shot or shoot for the second half? I have not even looked that up. 64.9% from from the field, 47.6 from 3. It's that's I think that's like a higher than the temperature outside right now of my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's where we're at right now. They scored 71 points in those two quarters. And that's like this whole Bucks thing like was all predicated on defense and the starting lineup. And it worked in the first half. But I think mm-hmm. the offense goes into it a little bit. And I think we just saw like the Bucks just felt painfully unequipped for KD to play like KD. And, you know, whether it's hunting the mismatches so easily, the drop, obviously, again, like he just didn't care. It didn't do anything like where Lopez was dropping. Like he got all the mid rangers he wanted, and he was still like one half step up, and he was still able to blow by. It was just stupid to to stick with it that long. But like every like they and also I think that this is not new either. So much for the dogs. The Bucks looked pretty shook in the fourth quarter. Like I thought actually like Chris had a three at one point. I think it gave him the lead back, and I was very impressed. I was like, oh, that's that's a big time shot. It's hard to do that, and there wasn't a ton. I think actually they fought back like one more time after that, but. You could definitely see a bit of a tremble, and it's almost hard to blame them. Like KD was, I mean, 31, 8, and 7 in the second half alone. Guy was just ridiculous. But it's just like, it's like they could feel it the same we could, right? Of like, oh, mm-hmm. God, we're blowing this, aren't we? Like, it's happening again. Like, some of these guys have been on the team for all these runs, too. It's just the vibe. Why does it bad. happen to Drew, though? Why does it happen to PJ? <laughs> Like it's like in Milwaukee, that's what happens when you when you come in here. You assume all of the warts and <laughs> all the just the the rock, the everything about it. You just be, you become ingrained into just collapse culture. That's, the, that's so what do you say? It's the uh, it's the curse under the uh, old Bradley Center ground. Yeah, yeah. it was buried the the old uh, uh, burial ground that. The, Pfizer Forum is now built on top of <laughs> the stately yeah. uh, Bradley Center was on top. I said it was Isaac Newton. That was a sinful collapse, I would say. That <laughs> I that's a, that that's right. a deep cut. Um, Drew uh, PJ's whistle since arriving in Milwaukee is the most bucks thing, and I want to talk about the officiating. I didn't think it was good. I thought the Nets got. I mean, honestly, I thought the Nets got the calls I pretty much expected the Nets to get, um, just because. Nash was obviously working the officials and that that's what happens. And you know, the bucks, I like the bucks never having it. And by the bucks, it really is just bud. The players can't really do this stuff, but like no quotes out there about all the stuff Blake did the whole series, like fire back. If they're going to get on PJ, who again, is just like playing physical defense. Blake is the one not playing NBA basketball. I mean, through Brooke Lopez, he's given shoulder or elbow shivers. Like, that guy is the one that there should be, and, and nothing was said, and, and Blake was effective in this game too. But I, I didn't think the whistle was good. I'll, I'll ask you first, Rohan, what you thought. But it was what I expected, and I didn't think it was the reason the Bucks lost at all. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was the reason the Bucks lost. I 
I didn't think just looking at it as objectively as I possibly can, I didn't think it was too bad considering I think the Bucks got a fairly favorable whistle in game four. So I think this was, it was all right. It was tilted a little towards Brooklyn, but honestly, at the end of the day, that's a little fair considering what happened in game four. It's definitely not the reason the Bucks lost this game. Uh, like you were saying, Ty, they just don't have anyone who's going to work the refs. Like no one says anything post game, like Bud will never get a technical to save his life. Uh, no quotes post game about it. I don't know. Yeah. Rohan, their guys hit shots and our guys didn't. Our guys should try hitting shots, I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, is that Mike Boonhoser? Is he we gotta watch the we gotta watch the film before I can comment on that. <laughs> AKA never. Yeah, do they actually watch the film? Like if we're being honest here? They probably just wa- I've been watching the same film for, for like three years. Do you think they just have like we? probably you're just like a VHS <laughs> player and they just accidentally keep playing the same game on loop? It's like oh we got this. It's we game this. five of the Eastern Conference Finals against Toronto. It's that's when, yeah, it, like, that's, you know, everybody's clockwork orange with their eyes, like, wide open. I love Jordan. Your comment was just perfect. So have we. We've been watching the same <laughs> film this whole time, too. No, I mean, I think, uh, I like mean, Jordan first. What do you, what did you think about, uh, the, I mean, it was all over Twitter because, of course, it was going to be, but what did you think about the, yeah, I mean, the there's, there, it, the Tiki Tech files obviously stayed around like a sore thumb, but it ultimately did not come back to bite them at all. I mean, the second half was played fairly, I would say, open um, yeah. versus the first half, especially. But, you know, I would, I'm not normally a guy that would say foul trouble, you know, or whatever foul controversy there is, especially for Bucks fans, because, you know, it all goes back to 2001. Yeah. But it ultimately had no effect on them, <laughs> their second half play. And that's where all this thing, everything just fell apart. Yeah, it was, did it suck to have PJ Tucker kind of, like like you said, PJ's whistles are largely terrible. Like there's some things where you just can't get around when he's kind of a little bit clumsy with his feet, but that happens to everybody. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it had any uh, that much of an effect on it at, into what we saw by the end of the night. Yeah, I mean, I think it was very choppily called early, and Brooklyn got in the bonus pretty early. But I remember Milwaukee being in the bonus not too long after. Yeah. I mean, only Drew ends the first half with more than two personals, so I think there was I think there was a little bit of almost over panic, and that's why we got you know three minutes of that weird ass lineup. But two for PJ, two for Giannis, two for Brook feels excessive then three for drew holiday and then in the third quarter chris picks up three and he's but well, that was most of the team fouls i mean pj had one more and brooke had one more uh and then in the fourth there's like a ton but a lot of that is like Giannis, like just following guys and forcing free throws and everything else so I, I thought it was a bad start again i agree the third quarter i didn't think it was as much of an issue and i just I couldn't blame it. I mean, people were mad about the Harden challenge. Which I, honestly, I thought was a very bad challenge. I didn't think that was probably with all oh, those yeah. guys in foul trouble. I don't, I don't know how you win that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless if it's, it's like if it's that, it has to be that egregious to right. be like, oh, we're gonna overturn it. You know, even beyond um, 
like the actually being able to overturn it. It's just like one of those annoying plays that the NBA doesn't currently officiate well, but hopefully they're going to do better after the competition committee or whatever looks at it this offseason. Like, why use it on a Brooke Lopez foul? I mean, I guess the Bucks were clearly determined to play the guy a lot, but PJ is in foul trouble. Giannis is in foul trouble. Drew is in foul trouble. Chris is picking up a lot of fouls in that in that quarter. Use it on one of theirs at least. That even if you even if it's the similar level of being able to overturn it, like those are the more important players. Like PJ set a lot of the fourth quarter because he got to five paradoxically, and it's like maybe he could have been at four instead if you saved it on one of the ticky tack fouls he had. So that's why I thought it was it was a weird, frustrating challenge. But uh, the the Bucks were kind of overly obsessed on offense with Harden the whole game, so I guess it fits. Especially after last game, we just saw an absolute masterclass challenge from Bud that turned uh, a Giannis offensive foul into a three-point play for Giannis. It's just like we we see these sort of flashes of brilliance that just go away because they're like, oh, this wasn't this wasn't normal. Let's go back to normal. Well, Rohan, that situation. The other side was scissors, and in this situation, <laughs> it was paper and rock. So, you know, rock is is not going to go well against paper. So you kind of just uh, out of luck from the jump there. I, I felt, guess so. <laughs> it felt like a last-ditch thing, too, because, like, it, it, at that point, I think that was, what, like the last, like, 90 seconds within the last 90 seconds? And obviously the tide is effectively turned, but you also waste a timeout by doing that too. Like you just burn one of the timeouts. Say if you did get within, I mean, the Bucks did get within making it like a one possession game. Like it was just like, why? You know, again, you know, it's just such an agree. You have to make sure it's like an egregious uh, mistake that the refs made that you would call that to begin with, regardless of whether it's, within the final t- two minutes of the game, or if it's, you know, the four minute mark of the second quarter, it was just like, it just felt so out of place and just kind of like, I need to, you know, get my team going in some direction and this is not going to help at all. <laughs> I'm just, I'm reading quotes that are coming in. Um, James Harden, oh boy. James Harden on his thought process. I woke up and I was like, you know what? Let's go. All right. I mean, honestly, I respect that. I respect it too. I respect that. Honestly, that's, that's better honestly, than I do. Probably anymore. what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really did. It did feel like it was like, why is this shifting so quickly? And he said, "Let's go." Um, <laughs> apparently, Drew is complaining about the officiating a lot. I think we need to do Ooh. a better job of controlling the game and just try to get some calls on our side. These tweets are from Eric. Name the last one was from Malika Andrews. Was the Harden one? Um, Drew Holiday on attacking Harden better. Honestly, attack him, but it's not like he's going to get calls on him, so I don't know. It's hard out here. Holiday on how the officiating affected their defense on Durant. Quote, I think their other calls helped him obviously get into a groove at the end of the game. I think I had three fouls. Tuck had five. Giannis had six. Brooke had four. Chris had four. Like I said, it gets hard. When was Harden contesting anything enough to get a foul called on him? Yeah, the the Bucks. Kind of check themselves out of that for like they didn't. Well, yeah, a they didn't go at him, but b like, yeah. of course he didn't have fouls. He couldn't move. He couldn't <laughs> hang with someone long enough to foul them. 
<laughs> he was actually he was trying to take take fouls as people were driving to land. Yes. They just weren't calling him. And it was actually better for the Bucks because they were just getting wide open dunks and layups. But yeah, he, he can't do anything. I just, it's a weird, a weird, I mean, obviously I'm sure there's a lot of frustration in the team, but that was a, 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 just an odd, an odd thing to say um, from, from my perspective. I think the other thing that I just found interesting, just to follow up on something from the last pod is I was so happy that PJ Tucker got involved offensively. And again, probably the Bucks best offensive performance of the series, but Zero points on 0 for 3 shooting. I blocked two and two missed threes. And what is going on with PJ Tucker's three point shot? Because I feel like in this game, it looked like a worse version of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s form. Like it was very like pushy and like hand turning over. I, it's, it's a little disconcerting to see because obviously the defense is the big thing with him. And I thought he was still, I mean, not great, but useful defensively. But the threes were not looking great in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think the the thing that like was frustrating is that I would have to remember when the like the times that he like attempted the threes, but it was after like the first half where. You know, Brooks, two of his three threes were quarter threes, and they were pretty much set up for, like, like nothing. And PJ's kind of, like, in the state, in, the, in a boat of, like, he has to be wide open to get, like, a really good three. And there was that one, I think, midway through the third, or it was either when things were starting to kind of, like, snowball for, them, for the Bucks again and the leads, you know, going through their fingers. And... It just looked like, like you said, like he just flung it at the, like with no rhythm, just trying to get some possession up there. Like, hey, we, it, it's still a good shot because it's coming from the corner three. But it's like, it's not, it's not what you want to, regardless when you just have no feel for it or it's just like such a rushed attempt. And that happens to every shooter and, you know, regardless. But it was just like, it was just those panic threes that we've seen so many times again, whether it's, PJ or I don't know name past buck shooter of, of the last couple of years, but like it's just like just name uh, any buck in the last couple of years because we keep saying this over and over again. Like oh, this is reminiscent of this time. This is reminiscent of this time because there's it's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. This is what's that movie called where it's Groundhog Day. Sure, Groundhog Day, just Edge of Tomorrow. That's a similar concept. Live, right? die, repeat. Yes, sure. Uh, there's a horror movie. There's all like there's, there's been plenty of movies that have followed the same concept. My favorite where you live the exact from Rohan, same. This pod. There's a horror movie <laughs> that it follows the same concept. It's just we're just living the same. It's not. I'm I'm starting to like worry about this because we're living the same thing. Again and again and again. This time it's PJ Tucker. Last time it was Nikola Mirotic or Marvin Williams. Who's it going to be next year? I don't know. Just name anyone. Jeff Green. Jeff, it might be Jeff Green, honestly. Who knows? <laughs> it might be Elijah Bryant. There, <laughs> there's, I think, a Jim Carrey movie where he hears someone writing his story in his head. Oh. 
That's Will Ferrell. Um, Stranger oh, of the yeah. Fiction. Why did I think it was Jim Carrey? That is Will Ferrell. Thank you. Uh, but it, it also would be a Jim Carrey movie too. Yeah, I think it probably would have been a little better. Um, I'm just discombobulated right now. But like the being a Bucks fan in some of these games really feels like his character in Stranger and Fiction, where you just like you can hear the writing in your head, like they're going to just absolutely blow it this quarter, and you're just like, wait, what? They're up 16 and a half. How can that be? And it ruins your life. And that's, that's, uh, that's the feeling. Um, but yeah, I just, I also think like PJ's offense is a little bit indicative of like the offense as a whole. It's like a bellwether of like, if the ball is zipping around, he's probably going to get set up with some sort of shot he can make. And if it's not, that's how he can end up with zero points in 33 minutes, which is just like tough. I mean, outside of the core for Giannis Middleton Lopez holiday, you get Pat with 10 points, Forbes with five points, and that's all the Bucks who scored. Six Bucks score in this game. Uh, and only two of them are above 20, Giannis and Chris. But yeah, it's just not great. Um, do either of you have any more thoughts on game five, or should we talk quickly about what we are expecting to see on <laughs> Thursday uh, in game six? Uh, game five just... I feel like I've said this about uh, <laughs> games in the past, but just just throw away the game film. But Rohan, they have to it. watch the tape. No, they're not going to watch it anyway. <laughs> they're just going to watch the same game again. We're gonna we're so, gonna be the only ones who watch it like three years from now in the third season. No, we're not. You know what? No, we're not doing binge <laughs> the Bucks after this. We're not doing this. I refuse. We're not doing this. I'm just setting that in stone right now. Yeah. Unless they win the series, we're not doing. Even if they do win the series, I am not. I do not want to watch this again. So just burn I, it. This I don't happens. know if I would survive long enough to be able to do a look back at this series if they end up winning it. Um, Jordan, do you have any? Last I mean, you could just go back to the Toronto series of the Miami. Yes, exactly. We did it already. Just, just listen to the listen. To I know, but you can watch it again, and it would still apply to this game. That's the. We that's can just re-upload. Thing that and say it was for brooklyn the brooklyn series just yeah. find, so it'll be the same thing some sort of a speech replacement that just switches like raptors to nets and toronto to brooklyn and miritich to i don't know who i want to put that evil on but uh jordan i'm falling apart any game five thoughts before we look ahead to game six um Lived out in rock. Let's let's go rock. <laughs> and then, before we go, and to that's game the six. game six preview. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Rocked straight to my dome, please. Um, <laughs> so it was so nicely set up for Bucks and six. I'm actually almost starting. I guess we can't because you guys would be in bad shape, Jordan. But like Bucks is Bucks and six cursed. Like I feel like oh, from the moment Brandon Jennings said that from his mouth, that was cursed. <laughs> From the beginning, maybe it's actually the, a perfect name for the podcast. against the big three Heat, just waiting to obliterate them. <laughs> <laughs> like the entire reason it's a thing is because it's cursed. Well, yeah. I mean, I thought it was charming at the honestly, and still do like that initial utterance. What was like, wait, it was charming in what regard? Because it's, it's like, like oh, it's like, they we have positive potential, we have good. It's yes. A, yeah, and then knowing that they got decimated. Well, yeah, of course, but it's exactly like Jennings said uh, to me when he was with the herd. It's like, what was I going to say? Heat and four. True. Come on. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 they ask you, he's a young guy who had had the double nickel 
couple of years earlier. I'm not I, I don't hate it at all that Jennings said it, but every time Bucks fans seem to get really excited about Bucks and Six for any reason, it's like awful. It just ends terrible. I we'll never stop. But uh Bucks and Six was was set up. I mean, this was again a game the Bucks obviously very winnable game when you're up sixteen at halftime and you know one point two of Brooklyn's big three is playing in the game and you you blow it. Um I don't know. Is it worth asking you guys if you think the Bucks can win the series? I feel like I know the answer. Well the answer for me is yes. Wow, really? I'm not no that's very different from me saying they will. Well yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They are very yeah. capable of winning the series. They have been very capable of winning the series. They were very capable of winning this game. Will they? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I know they're they're the betting favorites on the initial lines in Game Six, but like, come on, what what are we doing here? I guess that's a better question. Forget the series, Jordan. Do you think they're? Do you think not? Not can they? I agree with Rohan as much. You can get into a really tough, like, semantics conversation that, like, if they can do it, but they never do do it, can they do it in the first place? I don't want to get psychological, but will the Bucks come out and win game six? I think it's po- – I mean, I think it's possible that they do. Just because I'm setting myself up for rock <laughs> again and all the stuff that we talked about. But, like, James Harden's not going to get any better. Kevin Durant, as great as he is, I'm tempting fate here. Does he score 49 points again? Harden 75 <laughs> in game six. Yeah, do do they do the Bucks? Well, oh, I don't want to go there. Um <laughs> but like the circumstances for them to win this series going into game five, all that stuff, like that hasn't changed. I think Woj reported earlier today, Tuesday. Um they're not expecting Kyrie Irving for the rest of the series. Not a surprise just because that was a terrible sprained ankle. And, you know, the series, if it goes to seven, would wrap up on Saturday. That's not enough time for such a, you know, tricky injury. But then again, we said that about James Harden. Yeah. You know, the Bucks didn't attack him. Um, so I reversed my answer. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, I think it's very possible they win game six. I just greater heartbreak later on the core. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I think it's I think it's possible that they win game six. I don't Honestly, know. Why after after the game uh three post game, I said that they'll win game four just so they can lose in more heartbreaking fashion. <laughs> and I'm gonna go with that same call for game six. Uh, they're going to win this game because if I've learned anything from this podcast uh, today is that the Bucks are just going to repeat themselves. And this series is looking like a uh, 2018 Celtics series. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah, that's the right year. That's the year they won seven. They yeah. won all their home games. So they're probably going to win this series because every series must have a previous reference series in this Mike Budenholzer era. <laughs> um, so yeah, they'll probably win game six and then get our hopes right back up again. And then they'll do something like this even worse in game seven. <laughs> Kevin, no, you know what's going to happen in game seven after they win game six? Kevin Durant is going to score five points. But Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, and <laughs> yeah. Jeff Green are yeah. going to combine for like 300 points. 
Katie's gonna like choose to. You remember like that anecdote about like Larry Bird, like one game he was like, "I'm gonna shoot left-handed." Yeah, and Kevin Durant's gonna do that, and the Nets would probably still win the series if <laughs> he did. You know what I mean? Like it's just, like that's where we're at. Kevin Kevin Durant could just you know, yeah, if he did something like that, I'm not wishing any injury on him at all. But if he just decided. I'm going to shoot left-handed. Let's see how this goes. Just close up this we'll series. Probably put up 30. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly where I'm at right now. And Joe Harris is going to have that positive shooting regression unless he's just completely. It doesn't, but I don't think that matters. That's the pro. That's the problem. Is that we remember again? Not to repeat um, past performances or whatever, but like it kind of reminds me of when Danny Green. Granted, he's had very cold performance playoff performances yeah. lately. That's just we just call that a Danny Green. That's point. now we call that Danny Green. But he was awful, awful in that Raptor series. And then it was like Fred Van Vliet out of nowhere, post baby, you know, <laughs> hits hit shots like no other. Um, that's that's where that's where we are with Joe Harris and Jeff Green and a little bit a sprinkle of Blake Griffin here and there. I actually, and I know I got burned because I, I called sweep after game two, and you can see why now, but I could see the Bucks losing. I would lean toward them losing. I just think, like, I don't know how many of these kind of just, like, really disappointing gut punches mm-hmm. you can take in a series without it just, like, culminating in a very flat performance. And, you know, again, they came out and... <laughs> I'll say they got. I mean, we see it. We three. see it a half a game, every game. That's that's yeah. true. Um, yeah, but and also again, yeah, like I, I I think Harris is a kind of shooter where at some point he's going to get going. So if there's going to like if if game three is the Joe Harris game, that could do it. I could see. I don't think Harden's going to look much better, but like even if he can just shoot a little bit, he'd be a lot more useful for for the Nets. Um, it'll be hard for KD to be as good as he was in this game. Also, just quick. 48 straight minutes for Kevin Durant. I, I just mm-hmm. want to take an L. Like, I remember questioning, like, oh, it's, is he didn't sign up for this with almost no help? Like, is he going to – what's he going to look like? How hard is he going to play? I didn't say his legacy was on the line. I think that's silly. Some people were even saying that. Everyone who questioned anything just looks stupid right now. Some 48 idiots were straight. saying it was a Lex Luthor moment. Like. <laughs> <laughs> 48 straight minutes, 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, plus only a plus 6. I mean, it was a 6-point game, so I guess that makes sense. Um, what a what a performance from Kevin Durant. So I don't know if he's how ready he's going to be to do that again in Game 6. Maybe he doesn't even bother and just waits for Game 7. But I just it, – it's more than just the narrative stuff. It's also just like this Bucks team – either cannot or refuses to string together enough good moments to play a full inspiring game, except for maybe game four, which again, like it was just KD. I don't know. I just, it's hard to believe him even for maybe, a game. Maybe they actually do what uh Reggie Miller said. Did you guys see his tweet? I did. What is uh, he, he, he said that uh, the Steve Nash should considering resting Harden and Durant for game six to push all their chips in the table for game seven. But why? <laughs> like it's a great question. Like, why would you not try a fantastic for a half or three quarters first? No, just straight was, up rest. I think it would still favor the Nets. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> why not? Mike James is going to have like a fifty-point triple double or something. 
I can't believe they didn't. They barely played him. I know his stats aren't good. I feel like he's kind of good, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I don't think I have anything left. Uh, Jordan, do you give me give me an official uh, give me an official score prediction for oh, Game God, Six? God, I hate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have the Nets had a really good offensive game yet this series? No. Oh, uh, Game Two. What did they score? One twenty-five. Yeah, oh good call. They did score. They saw the Nets in this in this series 115-125-8396. I think a lot of that obviously is, you know, Harden and, and Irving missing time, but uh, maybe they won't score that. You know what? I'll say uh I'll say Nets 107 bucks 96. I think they instead of 86 this time it's 96. I just So I, maybe, guess, that, I think that was the game 4 score, but yeah, and, it was yeah. It was um, it was one oh seven. Oh yeah. Wait, did I say one oh seven ninety six? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> uh that in reverse. I was looking at the box scores too. I didn't think I was reading it, but I don't know. I'll go one hundred and ninety three bucks. Oh I, <laughs> I thought you were saying one ninety three at first. I was like, I didn't think that was tonight. I mean, I'm tempted to say that. <laughs> Kevin Durant might have that all, all by himself. <laughs> One oh, do you say 103 to 96? 193. Okay, I'm out of it. I don't um, trust the Bucks offense. <laughs> uh, well, you don't trust the Nets offense then too. If that's the that's the score. I'll say. Uh, I was. Gonna, I was gonna say one fourteen, one oh eight. Uh let's go uh let's go one twenty seven to one eighteen Milwaukee. Mike Budenholzer regarding first half foul management said they had spread court lineup in with T A Bryant Condon as opposed to Portis. The T A and Bryant played like four combined minutes. That yep. was hardly a lot. Whatever. I, we're wrapping. We're winding down. I know. We also, oh, say, uh, we also have Giannis saying uh, he wants to guard KD game six. <laughs> Maybe he should have tried it in game five. I don't know. Also, he said KD's the best player in the world right now. I mean, how can you argue? Yeah. You can't that's, really argue. That's just facts, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, that's where we're at. I, th- I think I'm hey, ready for the I will, intro, Rohan. Yeah, I will say We'd witnessed an all-time performance, yeah. all-time yes. performance from Kevin Durant. Yes, hundred percent. We have to, we and have Jeff to recognize, Green. yes, and <laughs> Jeff Green as well. Uh, no, I was going to say and Kevin Durant, uh, but <laughs> yes, Kevin Durant, all-time performance. Appreciate greatness, everyone. Don't get it, it's it's okay to get hung up in the moment as a Bucks fan, but also you have to realize that Kevin Durant is a one-of-one player and. We we're we're not going to see anything like this again. So if it's if possible for even a second, just take yourself out of the Bucks moment and say, "Wow, we just we just witnessed something extremely special." And uh, I think that's a good way to cap off this episode by giving credit to the opponent for ripping the hearts out of the Milwaukee Bucks in Game Five, one fourteen, one hundred eight, Brooklyn. If you did enjoy this episode of the Eurostep Podcast Network post-game 
Make sure you are subscribed to the feed. Make sure that you check out all of the content across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Give a five-star review. Tell your friends and family about the show. Spread the good word of the podcast network. Stay safe, everyone. I would say go Bucks, but yeah, you know what? Go Bucks. And uh, we will talk to you next time.